Yo! Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. I'm your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, <laughs> nah, host Isaiah Kit. Welcome back. I'm your humble and highly favored host, Isaiah Kit. Welcome back to another episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. And it seems like every time I do an episode or, you know, about to record one, I always, it always just feels like I haven't talked to you guys in a minute. And it kind of has. That's that's what it kind of feels like. But hope everybody out there is doing fine and well. I am doing really good. I'm doing good. Uh, doing really good. Halfway through my college semester, so I feel pretty good. Almost about to get that summer break. <laughs> that summer break always comes in through the clutch. Um, but we have some NBA to get to, some NFL to get to. Uh, I, I my wish came to fruition. My wish, my wish came true. At the end of the last episode, I told you guys I hope um, a free agent signing happens or a trade happens, so we can talk about that and discuss it because. There was a bit of a dry spell throughout the transactions, you know, throughout the NFL offseason. But now it's ramping back up. We're getting closer and closer to free agency. Um, you know, <clears throat> some certain teams are going to be in some tough financial positions. But the latest free agent, big name free agent, J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt, great defensive player. Um, has kind of slowed down over the years, but still a relatively good player. And he does, he decided to sign with the Arizona Cardinals. I, I'm, I'm also gonna get at Kawhi. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get at Kawhi and the Los Angeles Clippers. Uh, I got, I got some thoughts on that. Real serious, right there. Real serious. But let's get into it. Let's not waste any time. Let's get to JJ Watt. And his new team, the Arizona Cardinals. So, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. If you did not know, J.J. Watt made his decision as far as, you know, what free, what team he was going to sign with. He signed, he, he elected to go with the Arizona Cardinals. He signed a two-year deal, $31 million. $23 million guaranteed. So you guys can do the math. It's about $15.5 million per year. And 23 of that is going to be guaranteed. Okay? So this had me thinking, right? And, I, you know, and, and I must say, I was surprised. I was, I was very surprised because uh, J.J. Watt, I thought, he, I thought he wanted to go to a contender. You know, he spent a, he spent an entire decade, his entire career in Houston. Let's be honest, Houston's gotten to the playoffs over the last several years, but last year they stunk up the joint. They fired their coach. We all know where Houston is going. They're going downhill. There's no upside to Houston. The only upside for the Texans is Deshaun Watson, and he's likely gone. So, so. J.J. Watt had everybody in the mindset that he was signing with a contender. And he opted to go with the Arizona Cardinals. I am surprised. I think everybody's, I think everybody's surprised. Now, let me tell you this. I think when I'm – because I think his final two choices was the Arizona Cardinals, which he obviously chose, and the Buffalo Bills. Buffalo Bills, you know, that was a – Buffalo Bills lack pass rushing. They needed a pass rusher. JJ Watt would have been a pretty good addition. And that could have pretty that could have, you know, made them a legit Super Bowl threat. In they got to the AFC Championship game last year, obviously. Now, the Cardinals, let's just dissect this whole signing. JJ Watt, it's as simple as because some people are asking, well, why did JJ Watt sign with the Cardinals? J.J. Watt simply picked the place he wanted to go to. Um, I don't think the Arizona Cardinals are contenders. Um, I don't think, even with his acquisition, I don't think they are contenders. I mean, hell, let's look at their division. They play in arguably the best division in football. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, like like look from top to like look from look at their roster from top to bottom, and you compare that to the other three teams in NFC West. And once again, this is no slight towards Arizona, but it's the fact of the matter. It's the reality. I mean, you know, you look at their roster, <laughs> probably the fourth best roster. You look at their coach that they have in Cliff Kings, you know, Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, he's done okay. They got off to a really good start last year, but uh, some of their wins were a bit fluky, like the Hail Mary. You know, some of their wins were a bit fluky, and they and they ended off the season not on not on a good stretch. They finished, I think, eight and eight. But you're gonna have a healthy 49ers team that you're gonna have to play against. Um, that I'm assuming that's gonna be healthy. So I don't think they're better than the Niners. I mean, the Seahawks they have Russell Wilson for now. So I don't I don't think they're gonna be better than Seattle. And then the Rams, I don't think they're gonna be better than the Rams. I think the I, honestly, I think the Rams, I mean, right now, I think the Rams might win the division. But so you look at their roster, they have the fourth best roster. You look at their coach. They arguably have the fourth best coach. Um, even Kyler Murray, I like him. Very exciting, very entertaining, electrifying. But uh, are we sure? I mean, in his, I think, uh, and let me say this: I think Kyler Murray's ceiling is high. But is he really, truly an elite quarterback? Like he can, he can be an elite quarterback, but. Compared to guys like Russell Wilson and Matthew Stafford in his division, and I know Matthew Stafford, I'm not saying Matthew Stafford is elite, but if Matthew Stafford is the upgrade that most people think he is um, from Jared Goff, then the Rams won 10 games with Jared Goff. So Matt, you would think if Matthew Stafford is a true upgrade, they would win more games and Matthew Stafford would look good. So they probably have third best quarterback in a division on a good day the third best quarterback in the division so <laughs> i mean Chandler jones he's a he, you know he's a nice running mate but he only played 5 games last year it's a lot of butts with this team it's a lot of butts and it's and this team is going to be really competitive like it was last year like the cardinals they were really competitive they were they were a really competitive 8 and 8 they're probably going to be eight and eight or nine and seven ish, not quite making the playoffs, borderline playoff team. That's what they're going to be. And if they don't make the playoffs, they'd be they'd be it, it, it it'd be a similar result to the previous season. So I mean, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if JJ Watt was afraid to go to a winning culture. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure what that was. I mean, it was obviously, and I, and I and once again, I have no problems with it. But the move to Arizona was obviously, it was a money move, <laughs> and I ain't mad at that. Get your money while you can. But the initial thought was J.J. Watt, veteran, uh, contenders or teams that we think are close to a Super Bowl or missing a couple pieces from getting to that Super Bowl level. Those are the teams that we thought JJ Watt was going to sign with. That was the uh, that that was the, that was the thought process. And you just think about the upcoming free agents that they have on their defense like a Hassan Reddick, um, a Patrick Peterson, you know, some of their better defensive players last year um, that they have that's on that's going to be on the market and they, mo and they most likely will probably lose. But with veteran players, there is this like obligation that the media and fans put on vets to go out there and play for a contender once they have the opportunity. But J.J. Watt simply picked the team that he wanted to go to. And once again, I'm not mad at that, but, you know, that just was not the thought process and it caught everybody by surprise. <laughs> it, it caught everybody by absolute surprise. So let's move on to the Clippers, the Clippers and Kawhi Leonard. Now, <laughs> I like Kawhi. I, I really do. I like Kawhi's game a lot. And 
I'm not sure how reluctant certain media members that you know you guys see a lot. I'm not sure how real they want to keep it. <clears throat> okay? I'm not sure how real they want to keep it, okay? Because I have my I have I have a I have a grudge to pick with with Kawhi Leonard. And somewhat Paul George. But I'm kind of over the Paul George thing. I I tell you why. I tell you why. But I'm going to keep it real. I'm going to keep it real with you guys. Kawhi Leonard and and let me say this. <clears throat> Before I go on my my t- before I go like you know go on my rant like a tyrant or whatever, I'm not panicking for the Clippers. I'm not I'm not overreacting because of one regular season loss in February, but I am stating my concerns because this seems like a reoccurring theme okay and this is what i'm noticing so this is what i do on my platform okay so i'm not overreacting because i know some people are like oh my god you're overreacting i'm not overreacting i'm seeing a reoccurring theme so far throughout the season despite it being only march now excuse me but that 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 you know the game versus the bucks happened in february that's why i said february it's march now okay but I want to point out a couple stats here. Kawhi, so clutch minutes, right? Clutch minutes is when the game is in the balance, obviously, and it's about under five minutes. Clutch in clutch minutes, Kawhi Leonard has the fourth worst field goal percentage at twenty eight percent. Okay, Kawhi Leonard has the fourth. Worst field goal percentage at 28% in clutch minutes. Another stat. Kawhi Leonard has missed 18 of his last 23 three-point field goals in crunch time. And you guys are probably wondering, well, why are you bringing this up? Well, I watched the Milwaukee game this past Sunday, and I know that I know the Clippers play tonight. They play the Boston Celtics tonight. It's Tuesday, and I'm recording before the game, so I don't know what's happening. I don't know. I don't like. I don't know if the like you guys when this when this episode come out. You guys would have figured out that the Clippers have either won, they either beat the Celtics or lost to the Celtics. You guys would be able to figure that out if they, you know, you guys would know. But right now, I don't know. And and as I'm recording, I don't know because, you know, <laughs> I don't because I'm recording before the game. But it just, it brings me, the, the, the reason why I mentioned those clutch stats and numbers it brings me to re- to the remembrance of what happened in Game Seven of last year's second round Western Conference matchup versus the Denver Nuggets, where Kawhi and Paul George were complete no shows in Game Seven, and it also has me thinking of all of the expectations. That was that 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 was mounted on Kawhi when becoming a Clipper, and then he traded for Paul George. So many expectations. A lot of people across the basketball world picked the Clippers to win the finals last year. A lot of people. A lot of people. Obviously, they did not do that. They lost in the second round, and they lost in the second round to the Denver Nuggets. And it's the—it's not only who they lost to and when they lost, but it's more so how they lost. They gave up a 3-1 lead. And just to see the Nuggets, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic, 
and those boys walk the Clippers down like that, that sticks. That that that, that those type of moments stick. And at this point, Kawhi Leonard has not lived up to the expectations when he first joined the Clippers. When those expectations were brought upon him, he has not lived up to the expectations. He has not at all. And I think there's ultimately as far as, and I'm, and I'm thinking legacy for Kawhi Leonard because Kawhi has already won two championships. Now, you guys may have heard me on this on this, on this this podcast many a times if you're a regular listener. If you're a new listener, let me give you an update. I have already gotten past the stage. Kawhi Leonard, his two championships, yes, he, he won finals MVPs. He won finals MVP for both, both of those finals. And yes, Tor- Toronto, he was undisputably the best player. But Toronto and the San Antonio Spurs already had cultures set in place. They already had cultures set in place, and they already had leaders already in place. So Kawhi didn't have to lead. Also, with, you know, Toronto and San Antonio, what they also had in common was Kawhi, there wasn't no big-time expectations of Kawhi Getting to the fight, well, leading the Spurs to the finals. Mind you, he still he still played with Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Mono Ginobili. He still played with the Spurs big three. So it like all of the pressure wasn't mounting on him as if he was the guy. And the same goes for Toronto. When he got traded to Toronto, when he got traded to the Raptors, there was no huge expectations of Kawhi Leonard leading the Raptors to the finals. We thought they'd be a pretty good team because they've been making the playoffs over the last couple years. And, you know, we thought they was going to be pretty good, but we did not have them. A lot of people did not see the Raptors getting to the finals and then ultimately winning the finals. But they did. And they did the same thing in San Antonio. Two finals MVPs. Now he goes to L.A. He goes back home. He goes to the Clippers. And now there's expectations. There was there was some there was somewhat of a culture that was built with the new look Clippers prior to Kawhi joining. But may I must remind you, the culture that was built, some of that a good share of that got wiped away because Kawhi Leonard. He wanted to make a trade. He 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 asked the Clippers to get Paul George. In order to get Paul George, the Clippers had to give up Shea Gilgis Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, a bunch of first round picks, um, a, 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 you know any percentage that they own of Staples Center, they had to give that up too. I, I mean, I, I'm just telling you, they gave up everything. They gave up the kitchen sink and some more. I don't even know if they own a percentage of Staples. Or should I don't I don't know should they, but they gave it they gave it all up to get Paul George. So Kawhi Leonard has fell short of expectations so far in the clip with the Clippers. He has fell short, and I must say it it it, it pains me to say it, but and that was just a brief run through. I tried to make it brief as possible. But that was a brief run through of what I already have discussed about Kawhi Leonard on this episode, on this on this podcast already. And if you're a regular listener, you know that. But I hate to say this about Kawhi, but I don't see the same defensive intensity that I used to see. I don't. I don't see. I don't see that same defensive intensity. I don't see the same defensive effort that we used to get from Kawhi. I don't. I truly, honestly don't. Giannis, you know, that Bucks game, the Clippers, not, not, and, not, and we can talk about offensively what they didn't do, where the Clippers went scoreless in the last four minutes, I think. Yeah, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, the Clippers in that Bucks game went scoreless in the last four minutes of the game. 
But then Kawhi allowed Giannis to also take over the game. And once upon a time, when a player started to get their rhythm and when a player started getting hot, Kawhi Leonard, guard, he, he used to get on that player, defend that player, and sit in that chair. He used to sit in that chair and that player would become somewhat neutralized. And, and I'm not saying Kawhi can't play defense anymore. I'm not saying he's not a good defender anymore. But I don't see that same intensity. I don't see that same defensive effort. I see it in spurts here and there. I see it here and there, but that's the problem. I only see it here and there. And I don't know. I, I just I, maybe maybe I'm and you guys probably think I'm overreacting, but I don't think I am. Because I saw it in the playoffs in the bubble last year. Luka Dantich was absolutely killing the Clippers. And I could make an argument if Kristaps Porzingis was healthy, the Clippers probably lose to the Mavericks in the first round. If I could make an argument, the Clippers could they could they could have lost to the Mavericks in the first round. But back to my main point, Luka Doncic was having his way with the Clippers. Straight up molly whopping the Clippers. He gave it to, he gave it to everybody. Marcus Morris, Patrick Beverly, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard didn't want to guard him. Luka gave the Clippers problems. They got past that. Then the Nuggets, Jamal Murray was giving the Clippers problems. He was giving them problems. Kawhi Leonard didn't even, didn't even put up ever. So that's the thing I'm talking about. And then Giannis, he went off in the fourth quarter. Giannis himself offensively has been having his struggles down the stretch of games, especially in close games and tight games. He's been having his struggles in the fourth quarter. And then he shines in the fourth quarter versus the Clippers. So I don't know. I don't know. But I do know. What I do know is Kawhi Leonard has underachieved. As a Clipper so far, he has underachieved. And I know, and I know, I know damn well Steve Ballmer is not investing all of this energy, all of this money. He gave up, he gave up the uh, the future basically to acquire Paul George and to ultimately acquire Kawhi Leonard, really. He's putting in money. He's put like Steve Ballmer isn't putting, he's not investing all of this money to finish second in LA. He's not. He's putting money into the, you know, the the old Western form in Inglewood. He's not, you think he's putting in just hundreds of millions of dollars to oh, man. I don't see that same defensive intensity from Kawhi. I don't. I really don't. I really don't. And Paul George. Paul George. Absolutely disgraceful. Paul George. I don't hit you want to, and I, I pointed, I pointed towards Kawhi's clutch, like his his. I pointed to his clutch stats and how he's been struggling. Paul George over the last couple years, he has been awful down the stretch in the clutch. He has been awful, absolutely awful. And I don't like Paul George's mentality. Like I don't like I don't like the things that he say after games, cause there's it, it seems to be always an excuse. You know, it, it's always an excuse for Paul George. I, I I just like Paul George is that type of guy. He's a finger pointer. He's a finger pointer. Paul George's finger pointer. I don't like his. I, I like his game. I think. He, I I mean, obviously, he's a great player, but. His ment his mentality, I don't like it at all. He blames the refs. 
He he I mean he com absolutely he absolutely just shitted on Doc Rivers. Absolutely. He just absolutely crapped on Doc Rivers. He calls out, you know, referees and my shoulder and he uses all of these excuses as defense mechanisms to, you know, just to deflect the blame. He just deflects the blame. And I hate, I absolutely hate that. I hate that. I hate that from Paul George. Absolutely hate it. You know, sometimes, you know, after the Brooklyn game, uh, referees, the Nets, the referee, the Nets are in the referees' pockets. What? What? After the Bucks game. Oh, man, the refs. <laughs> They screwed us. That's what that's what Paul George says. That's that's what he says. I mean, all throughout the offseason, underhandedly, oh, it's Doc. You know, Doc Rivers, he put me in some bad situations. Underhandedly, he he says that underhandedly. And Paul George, I mean, so I think Kawhi Leonard, he has to get Paul George in check. I, and I know Kawhi Leonard isn't like the communicative, you know, he's not the communicative type. He's not the talkative type, but he got to, he got to, he got to shake. He got to put some sense into Paul George. And I know some of you guys are probably saying, well, Isaiah, the Clippers need a point guard. And I would refute that point with saying, or by saying they had a point guard. They just traded him away. They had Shea Gilders Alexander, but they traded him away for Paul George. They traded all of these other pieces to, to acquire Paul George. So you got to make it work. I mean, and, and yes, and I have I have acknowledged that already. The Clippers do need a pure point guard. They need a pure point guard who can set up the offense. Yes, they do. But they had that already. <laughs> they traded him away. And ultimately, my ultimate thing is, or point is, if the Clippers lose in the first or second round, Kawhi Leonard cannot leave. Kawhi Leonard cannot leave. If the Clippers lose in the first or second round, Kawhi Leonard cannot, he cannot leave. He cannot leave. Simple as that. Kawhi Leonard cannot leave. He can't leave and go anywhere else because he started that. He he built this team, basically. I mean, he basically built this team. You can't. You traded away all their pieces. You, 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 you left Toronto to come back to L.A. You came to L.A. with commercials. A lot of people thought you were better than LeBron. You were calling yourself the new king of L.A. You held you held the Clippers hostage to acquire Paul George. I already explained that the Clippers gave up everything. They gave up everything but their names to gain Paul to, to, to get Paul George. Kawhi Leonard, you cannot leave. He cannot leave. He cannot leave if the Clippers have another early first or second round exit. Simple as that. He cannot leave. But I don't see that same defensive intensity from Kawhi like I used to. And ultimately, I think there's another level Kawhi Leonard can get to. He's won two championships, but now it's time to prove, can you be a leader? Can you create a culture? Can you lead? Can you actually lead your guys and create a culture, and win a championship. And I'm not saying Kawhi isn't an all-time great, because he is. He is. Kawhi is an all-time great. But to elevate his status and legacy even more, do it with the Clippers and create, be a leader, create your own culture. And right now, the Clippers ain't that. They ain't that. They're a good team. They are a good team. 
They are, I think, I think like, like they're 24 and 12. They're 12 games over 500. That, that, that may change because they're playing the Celtics. So they may win or, you know, they're going to win or lose. So I, I, and I don't know. But come on. They're a good team, but let's make it happen, Kawhi. Let's make it happen. Okay. So let's just move right on. Let's continue with the NBA, but let's move on to the Brooklyn Nets and James Harden. Now, you guys have already heard me talk about this already. I think you guys kind of get it. But I just keep hearing some people refute this, and I don't understand why. And I'm talking about James Harden being a legitimate MVP candidate. I think James Harden is a legitimate MVP candidate. I think he is. If you look at his performance, I think he is. I've watched a lot of the Brooklyn games, and he is phenomenal to watch. And not he's always been phenomenal to watch. <clears throat> and I've already pointed this out already, uh, this particular point. But he's doing it now, unselfishly, getting others involved, making them – making – those role players of the Brooklyn Nets better and, e- and more efficient. <clears throat> and he's leading the league in assists and points. He's leading the league in total points. He's averaging 50 points. Yeah, I know, right? He's averaging 50 points. Now, he's obviously, he's not averaging 50 points per game. But he averages 25 points a night, and then he averages 11 assists a night. It's 50 points, okay? He's leading the league in total points. In total points, responsible for. <laughs> he leads in that category. The Brooklyn Nets' success, um, since he's got there, and since they went on that Western Conference road trip, they were undefeated. They won a lot of those games without Kevin Durant. They had a big-time winning streak. A eight-game winning streak, the longest for a Nets team in a while. I forgot the Pacific. I forgot like the particular date or um of of how long that winning streak was, as far as historically for the Nets. But it was their longest win streak in a very long time. And in his latest game versus San Antonio, James Harden went for thirty points. 14 rebounds and 15 assists. So he had a 30-point triple-double. But not only that, he had zero turnovers. He had zero turnovers. Versus a a decent San Antonio Spurs team. A San Antonio Spurs team that's in the the playoff picture right now. Like, I think they're sitting at six or something like that. It's a decent San Antonio Spurs team. So it's no, it's like it's not like no pushover. Like, no, it's a decent San Antonio Spurs team. And James Harden played perfect basketball. And I watched that game, and it was it can't the game came effortless to him. It was just superbly effortless. And I must say, and I've already said this already, odd year. This is a odd year. This is an odd year. So, and I and I I keep hearing certain people, some people talk about, well, what about the nine game stretch, the eight game stretch that he had in Houston, where he basically quit on his team? Okay, that's the, okay. That's a, that that's a valid argument. And and if it was, if this MVP race becomes Nick and Nip and Tuck, and it's a close race. And you and who you know, however the voters think, if that is a deciding factor, well, albeit, albeit. But if James Harden continues this level of play, and the Brooklyn Nets, the Brooklyn Nets continue to win at this pace, I, I don't know. I don't know who else would be your MVP. To be honest, I I, I mean. Who else would be your MVP? Let's be honest. Let's be honest. Who else would be your MVP? 
I know LeBron. I and I and I know. I know. Here come. Here come. Here come the people. Well, what about LeBron? Well, you guys, you guys continue to tell me that LeBron is the MVP. You guys continue to tell me that LeBron is even at this advanced age, he is still the best player in the world. But then on the on the flip side, you guys tell me, well, he didn't have Dennis Struder. If LeBron is the real MVP, he should be able to win a couple games without Dennis Struder. And that's no that's no slight to Dennis Struder, but some of you guys call LeBron James the greatest player of all time. Some of you guys call LeBron James the MVP. And he and, and for a good for a good portion of the season, LeBron did look like he was the MVP. But without Anthony Davis, without Dennis Struder, the Lakers lost a bunch of games. So the whole argument of well, what about James Harden? In his, you know, in, in how he wore a fat suit and he quit on the Rockets. What about that eight-game stretch with the Rock with the Rockets with James Harden? Well, I can also point to this recent stretch that LeBron has had. And and you guys continue, continue to tell me LeBron is the GOAT. LeBron is the MVP. LeBron is this. Even at this advanced age, like this is, and this is the problem I have with the argument when, when, when talking about LeBron's age, because you guys tell me at, at, at year 18, age 36, LeBron continues to dominate. He continues to dominate. And that is why he's the MVP. But then on the, on the, on the same, on the flip side, you're saying, well, no Dennis Schroeder, no AD. Like LeBron can't do it all by himself. He's age. He's, he's year eighteen, age thirty six. The same. Re, the same argument that you're re, that you're using to, to 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 support that he's the MVP. You're using the same. That's an excuse. That's an excuse. And and by the way, this MVP race is not decided. It's not decided. Nobody is running away with it. LeBron can still win the MVP, and I told you guys that last week. LeBron can still win the he can still win the MVP, but I just feel this notion that LeBron is just undisputably the MVP. I hear some of these shows, and I'm just appalled because we just act like the Lakers just was not on a losing streak. We just we we just totally forgot that the Lakers dropped the ball versus the Wizards while being up by double digits. We just totally forget that. We just totally forget it. I don't know how, but we just totally forget it. And then you guys tell me he needs Dennis Struder. You're telling me that the greatest player of all time, that this this is other people's words, not my words. <laughs> People call him the GOAT. I don't think he's the GOAT. I think he's the second greatest player of all time. But you're telling me the greatest player of all time needs Dennis Schroeder to win games. Okay. But James Harden. James Harden um, has been phenomenal. Okay? He's been absolutely phenomenal. And he is arguably, and that's, I, I don't know how many times I got to say this, but he is arguably the, the best all-around offensive player in basketball right now. He's arguably the best offensive player in basketball right now. I think Luka's right there. There's a couple seconds, close seconds. But James Harden is the best offensive player in basketball. And you might and, and if you look at the stats, if you're look, like if you're just one of those people that, you know, don't really catch with don't catch the games and just look at the box scores and the stats, you look at Kyrie Irving's stats and you're like, "Oh, whoa. Kyrie Irving's having a good he's he's having he's balling too. He's balling out too. He has better numbers." Well, yeah, but if you watch the games, if you watch the Brooklyn Nets, Harden is like controlling the pace. He is creating a lot of shots. He he he's creating the offense, especially with no KD. 
especially with no KD. If you would, if you just watch the games, Harden is creating a lot of opportunities for the other four players on the floor. He's creating a lot of opportunities, and I think it's such a strange, in such a strange year, in such an odd year for the NBA. Because let's be honest, this has been an odd year. I think the MVP, the MVP race is going to be so odd, and it's going to be so strange. And I mean, I don't have an MVP vote. Hopefully, one day I will be able to have an MVP vote. But I'm just very curious to see as the season progress, um, and as we get closer to the season winding down, which we're not quite yet. We're not there quite yet. But once April, after All Star break, April. We start heading into the playoffs. I'm I'm curious to see and to, and I want to know how MVP voters are voting this year because James Hart because because I I've already heard some MVP voters some media members who who have a MVP vote I have already heard that they're not gonna they're not gonna hold that eight game stretch in Houston against James Harden. And I already have explored different I, I already have explored different scenarios. Like what happens if Joel Embiid misses 25 games, 25 of the 72 games, but the Sixers have the best record in the conference. The is he still the MVP? Or is he not the MVP because he missed 25 games? I, I I'm I'm just curious. To, I'm just curious to know. I also talked about how LeBron, like LeBron, if when when Anthony Davis comes back and Lakers just start just start winning again, how does that affect LeBron? Does it affect him positively? Does it does it affect him negatively? I don't know. But in but in such a strange and odd year for the NBA. The MB the MVP race is going to be odd and strange, and I think voters are going to have to make some type. They're going to have to make some critical decisions as to like what, like what do you hold against a particular candidate? You know, it's going to be an odd. It's going to be an odd MVP race, and I and and furthermore, I want to say this about the Brooklyn Nets. They have improved. I think. I think it's kind of over. I think it's kind of overstated as far as like how bad the Nets are defensively. Because if you look at their numbers over, like since that, since the Western Conference, since they took the Western Conference road trip, if you look at their defensive numbers, they're really they're they're really solid. They're really solid. If you look at their defensive numbers, then Brooklyn Nets are really solid. But once again, I really I reiterate, I reiterate. Looking at the defensive numbers throughout across the league, it's 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 some bad defenses, and this is a bad defensive season historically. So, in a bad defensive season historically, I am curious. I'm just curious to know. Even if the Brooklyn Nets, and I don't think the Brooklyn Nets, they don't need to have an elite defense to win the championship. Because they're so potent and so dangerous offensively, they can have a good defense. They don't have to be elite. But I was going to say, furthermore, with this being such a poor, a historically poor defensive year across the NBA, you don't necessarily have to have an elite defense this year to win a championship. I'm willing to say that. I am willing to say that. And if there's any team that does not have to have an elite defense, it is probably this Brooklyn Nets team. This Brooklyn Nets team offensively are juggernauts. Offensively, they can get a good shot every time. Every time on the offense on on the offensive end of the floor, they can get they can get a good shot. But I'm looking across the league and the defenses across the league is they're bad and they're bad at a historic pace. They're bad at a historic pace. And I'm just curious 
does that correlate or do, do the two correlate as far as the Brooklyn Nets? The Brooklyn Nets don't have to necessarily be an elite team defensively because you look across the league. This is a this is a this is a historical bad defensive year in the NBA. And by the way, James Harden, he had his seventh triple double with the Nets in twenty two games. Seventh triple double with the Nets in twenty two games. Pretty phenomenal. Pretty dang on phenomenal. Hey y'all, what do you mean? Okay, you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? You want to rep your favorite team? What are you waiting for? Go over to the 47 brand. They have up to a 30% sale right now. Up to a 30% sale right now at the 47 brand. They have your favorite teams. It don't matter what sport, what league. It can be college football. It can be NBA, NFL, MLB, um, NHL. It does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there. Rep your favorite team. Don't miss out on that sale, the 47 brand. And by the way, James Harden, he uh, he returns back to Houston. He's making his return back to Houston, so that should be really interesting to see. Uh, I think the Houston Rockets came out and said they're going to retire his number, number 13 in Houston, so rightfully so. <laughs> rightfully so. So just a last quick bit um, before I let you guys go, before I end this episode. Miami Dolphins linebacker, or, or I should say former Miami Dolphins linebacker, Kyle Van Noy, he recently got released. He got cut. And the reason why I'm pointing this out is because I want to I wanna shine some, some light on towards uh, the NFL players and how their contracts are constructed. Because this, like last offseason, last year, just last year, Kyle Van Noy, he signed a four-year, $51 million deal and $30 million guaranteed. As I mentioned, he got released, he got cut, and he only received $12.5 million of that money. So he had had a $51 million guarantee. I mean, he had a $51 million deal. 30 of it was guaranteed, and he only received $12.5 million because he got cut. And in order to receive the other uh, portion of the guaranteed amount, you have to be on the team. Obviously, he's not on the team anymore. And this just got me thinking, and it, it just first it points to the collective, the collective bargaining agreement and the players' union and the players' association and how – they have yet to, or they have been very reluctant to fight against the owners. But this is why NFL players frown upon the NBA and MLB players. And I know, I get it, I understand the MLB. They don't have they don't have fifty three man rosters. I get it. The rosters are much smaller. In the NBA, you have about 12 to 15 guys on a roster. But in the NFL, there's a 53-man roster. And I understand that. Not everybody can get guaranteed dollars. Not everybody, not like the 48th, the 49th man on the roster probably can't get a guaranteed deal. Understandably so, okay? Understandably so. But the NFL, they flaunt their stuff about how much money they reap in and bring in on a yearly basis. And the the figures the figures that they put out are just astronomical. The figures that they put out are just astronomical. And here goes Cal Van Noy. He he he's thinking he has four years security. And, and mind you, he didn't have a bad year. Like it's, he didn't he, he didn't have a year where he like underachieved. He had a he had a solid year. He didn't have a great year, but he had a he had a solid year for the Dolphins. He was also a team captain and he was a team captain and so forth. So it's not like he underachieved or a bad character guy. Like he had a solid year. And he was a voice in the locker room. 
But the players association, the players union, they have to the next the next bargaining agreement, they have to push a little bit stronger, a little bit harder as far as adding some stipulations. And I usually hear I, and I often <laughs> it's so funny because I often hear um like players that that sit on the committee as far as like the pl- players that sit or former players that sit with the players union or players association they often push back against well we can't have guaranteed contracts like they often they they like they often push back against that statement and like i said yes i've realized we all understand that the NFL 53-man roster. It's not like that. You don't have that many players on a roster in the MLB. You don't have that many players in, in, in the NBA. But I would also add the MLB and the NBA don't have as many players on one particular roster like the NFL, but the NBA and the NFL, the, the NBA and the MLB they do have minor league systems like the like the MLB. They have minor league teams, double A, triple A, single A. They have my they have a my, they have a whole minor league farm. The NBA, their minor league is considered the G League. They have G League affiliates, and they're covering those contracts as well. So, so in in the NFL, as we all know, the NFL don't have that. The NFL doesn't have a minor league system. They don't have a minor league farm that they have to also incorporate and put money into. So I will also cancel that out. But as far as the stipulations that I'm referring to or that I think the NFL players or the Players Association should fight against is if you're a starter or if you're if you're like no, not, not even a starter. If you're an all-pro, pro-bowl caliber type of player and you have shown that you're going to have a substantial career and you're going to have a you're going to have you're going to have a, a solid foundation and a substantial career, you should be able to get a guaranteed contract. Simple as that. I think you should be able to get a guaranteed contract. Simple as that. I think you should be able to have a guaranteed contract if you have shown the stability and you have shown that, hey, I am a Pro Bowl or all pro type of player and I deserve a guaranteed contract. Because the four year, the four year deal, like in the NBA, when you see on the MLB, when you see these 400 and 300 and you know, these max contracts, like, no, obviously there's, you know, there's income state tax and they gotta, they gotta give up that money to their agent, you know, percentage of it goes to their age. But ultimately the NBA players and the MLB players, they see, they see a lot of that money. The contracts that you see on ESPN, like they, they get a lot of that money. <laughs> they get a lot of that money. And, if, and obviously if you live in a state with no income, you know, with no income state tax, you know, that's that's even better. But they see a great portion of that money. With the NFL players, that's not that's not that's not the same. That's that's just not the ball the, the that's just not the same type of ball game <laughs> with the NFL contracts. So when you see these 100 million dollar deals in the NFL, just know it's not quite like that. <laughs> you got to do some more research. You got to you got to read you got to you got to dig deeper. And do some research when you see these hundred million dollar deals because, you know, a player may sign a hundred million dollar deal. That don't mean they're getting, you know, they're they're not even getting close to that. Sometimes, sometimes, sometimes players are not even getting close to that deal. <laughs> and you, you you be real and you ask some of these players, you're like, oh, like what percentage? Like, you know, they don't see a lot of that. <laughs> They don't see a lot of that. A lot of the guaranteed money, obviously they see the guaranteed money, but depending on your situation, you may not get all of the guaranteed money, like Cal Van Noy. Um, and then you, obviously you get the bonus, the signing bonuses. So those, you know, those count. But when you see these, when you see these players ink these hundred million dollar deals, that's just not the case. So I, if I was the Players Association, I would push and I would add some type of steps and stipulations to 
who deserves a guaranteed contract. Because like I said, all 53 dudes, you can't realistically, you can't get all 53 dudes guaranteed contracts. But what you could do is you could get you could give Pro Bowl type level players guaranteed contracts, financial security. You could give starters guaranteed contracts, financial stability. That's what they could do. That is what they could do. Ultimately, that is what they could do. And that's why that's why I don't frown upon a situation or a player um, like Deshaun Watson. I don't I don't frown upon it because owners it's it's a let's be honest. It's a one way street. It's a one way street. It's a one way contract. And the contract that these players end up signing, it's very one sided and in the favor leans heavily towards the owners. And the owners can cut bait with you anytime. But now we have, you know, Deshaun Watson, he's trying to get out. That And that is why I do not blame or I do not frown upon Deshaun Watson wanting out of Houston. He has every he has every right. He has every right. And, and contractually, contractually, the Texans, if Deshaun Watson was to underperform or if he gets hurt, the Texans could just let him go. Obviously, there would be some cap stipulations. There would be some type of cap hit. But as you saw with Kyle Van Noy, he signed a four. He just just last year. He signed a four year deal in free agency, fifty one million dollar deal. Only thirty million of it was guaranteed, but he only got twelve and a half million of it, and he had, and you you know he had to be on the team to receive the other like sixteen seventeen million, but he's not on the team, and that contract just goes away. So it's it's very one sided in the way how in the way how it's put. But I would just if I like that next bargaining agreement, the players got to push harder. They got to push harder, and they and they just added one more extra game to the NFL season. Seventeen games instead of sixteen. So you you know I think the players they got to push harder, and I think I think some of the some of the union have been just brainwashed and not, not not so much brainwashed but they have been just in this this practice form of this this structure of yeah football players 53 man roster can't get guaranteed dollars and i just think i i, I just think there's ways to work around that and we and there's ways to be creative contractually and we're seeing it in different industries and different businesses where the actual producer um, producer of the product, whatever, like whatever industry, you know, for instance, the music industry, you're seeing producers of the product contractually having more contractual options, right? Um, I know podcasting is a bit different and so forth, but you're, but my, my, my granular point is you're seeing different industries getting more creative and getting out of this, 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 this old practice structure of contracts, like there's creative ways to create contracts. And I think with the NFL in this, you know, not this non-guaranteed contract type of thing, it's just, it, it's, it should be frowned upon and it should have some type of stipulations to it. Simple as that. But without further ado, I'm gonna let you guys go. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I truly enjoyed it. I'll be back on Saturday. Hope you guys enjoy your week. Have a really good week, All-Star Weekend, All-Star Weekend this weekend. So that should be really fun. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how it looks because it's not going to. we're not going to have the total fan affair. And I know the fans bring a lot. It's a lot of fan engagement, All-Star Weekend. So we'll see how that goes. But without further ado, I'll let you guys go. Always remember, two choices, one decision. I am out. Thank you guys for tuning in. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you guys for all the streams and the numbers that you guys are doing. Greatly appreciate it. Um, and continue to stream and continue to stream and download this podcast and share this podcast so we can continue growing. Uh, deuces, peace, enjoy. Uh-huh.